going to argue it, obviously. Of course. But, uh, but it is hard to argue because there's a lot of examples of even when Batman is not characterized as an explicit fascist, and I, it's very rare, I think, that you get an explicitly political Batman. I think that he, part of the like illusion for him, and he's insulated from this by his wealth, obviously, is that he is not a political actor, is that he's somehow outside the system when, of course, he isn't. And we do need to mention another key point, which relates to JLI, actually, which is that there's really two versions of Batman, two main versions. One is the Gotham Batman, who deals with street-level crime and supervillains like the Joker. And then there's Justice League Batman, who writers are continually having to justify why is a regular Mm -hmm. guy among these gods, essentially. Mm -hmm. And Graham Morrison, I think, does the best job of this, but everyone kind of has to find their own answer to that question. And one that people consistently go to is that he is this sort of like paranoid surveillance expert, which of course fits the character, but it goes to some pretty wild places. So here's some fascist Batman that we can, that we can turn to. Unfortunately, they're in mm-hmm. mainline continuity. I'm thinking of like the Tower of Babel Batman, which is cited as one of the great Batman stories. It's, you know, he's such a badass. He, he plans ahead in this story, if you're not familiar he has all these secret methods for disabling the Justice League in case they ever went rogue. And some mysterious supervillain has stolen them and is in the process of incapacitating the Justice League for their own nefarious ends. And this is a colossal fuck up on Batman's part. Mm-hmm. Like like that, it, it should disqualify him from being part of the Justice League. You know what I mean? Yeah. But instead, a lot of Batman fans are like, this. take that as an example of he can beat anybody with prep time, you know, which is the yeah. most boring way to look at that character. But <laughs> that that same that same logic is reiterated again and again in the the horrible countdown to Infinite Crisis. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it's never going to look good in the event comics, especially because you've got you know two pages to give your thumbnail sketch of what a character is supposed to be and what's supposed to motivate them, and so. In the early 2000s for Batman, that meant he's a paranoid asshole. And the way that manifests is that there was a crossover event called Identity Crisis that was basically... Oh, oh my God. The worst. The worst. Trying to, you know, make the Justice League more, quote-unquote, adult, more Watchmen-like. And so... Without getting into the details, there is no. uh <laughs> no, there'd such, be a trigger warning on the details. It's such well, content yeah. warning. Yeah, for sure. Uh such a plaintive note in your voice when you say that, Nat. Mm-hmm. But basically Batman discovers this horrible thing that the Justice League has tried to cover up and they wipe his brain. They give him almost a lobotomy so that he can't interfere and he can just move on, essentially. And then at some point between that and the infinite crisis that comes a few years later, he remembers what they did and, you know, becomes even more distrustful. And so his reaction is to create this spy satellite called Brother Mark One. And Brother, in an obvious 1984 reference, keeps tabs Mm -hmm. on not just other superheroes and supervillains, but everybody. And is like the fullest manifestation of this paranoid tendency in Batman that is fascist. I mean, it is a true assault on the concept of individual privacy of Liberty of any of this stuff. And we'll get into this later. It's also pretty not 
Batman. It's really not how the Gotham Batman handles his business more often than not, but we'll, we'll get to that. So anyway, this goes horribly awry. A, a third party, uh, actually our old friend Maxwell Lord from JLI, mm-hmm. he uh, manages to corrupt uh, Brother Mark One. It gains a sort of sentience and identifies as Brother I and goes crazy and sends these super assault androids, the OMAX, the one-man army corps, out to to kill indiscriminately all these other superheroes. And dozens of people do die. And Batman doesn't do what an actual Batman would do in this situation, which is just quit being a superhero. If if (laughs) someone died because of his action or inaction, he's going to stop forever. That's that's his whole deal. That's that is the code. I will say there's one good moment in Infinite Crisis uh, for Batman, which is when he thinks that, I believe it's when he thinks that Dick Grayson has been killed. The Omax are going running rampant, and he can't figure out a way to stop them. Brother I won't listen to him. And he just falls to his knees and says, he starts hyperventilating and says, I can't, I can't take this. I just wish I could do it all over again. I wish I could change everything. And that's a good mission statement for the character because they shortly thereafter hand the character over to Grant Morrison who throws all of this shit out and does something completely <laughs> different. 